Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost and my guest today is Abby Rudd, who's known as the Horse Lawyer. We're talking about renting or leasing equestrian properties. What are the do's and don'ts, the things that you need to know when discussing rental agreements with landlords? You can hear some great advice from Abby on how to ensure that you're protected. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. During these episodes, I quite often get asked advice, which I have no idea what the answer is, because as you know, I'm not an expert. So my job is to get the experts on the podcast for you. Now, one of the recent questions that I've been asked quite frequently is about law. Um, and it's that you're going through a dispute or maybe there's a property that you want to uh, lease and you don't know about the contracts or maybe you just want to help. You want a little bit of help with where you're going to put your horse and the contracts. It's all about the contracts. Now, I'm not a solicitor, as you know. So today, my guest is called Abby Rudd. She is known as the Horsey Lawyer on Instagram, and she specializes in equestrian property. And so she's going to deal with all our legal issues today. Abby, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm really grateful that you're going to join us because law is a minefield that um, we don't understand. And quite often, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And actually if I'm honest I feel like as equestrians we're backed into corners where um, we're so grateful for property and we're so grateful for land and we're so grateful for anybody you know being nice to us in the horsey world that actually it means that we're probably not as protected as we should be Um, and so we're really grateful that you're you're on here today you're going to give us some advice shall we start with a little bit about your background and well do you have a horse Sure. Well, I'm at the moment, I'm really lucky. I'm back into the saddle. I've I've had a little break away from it, um, raising two lovely little boys. And at the moment, I'm sharing a horse, which actually works out really nicely because I'm very busy with work. Um, so I have um, access to a lovely Connemara pony. Mm. Um, and I have him three days a week, which is lovely. And I share with a, a very nice lady. And we um, together, we, we look after him very nicely. He gets very spoilt. Um, and it suits us both really well actually it's a nice arrangement because she also works and uh and it means that mr marley gets all the attention that he needs <laughs> and probably more actually <laughs> oh, well then you really understand don't you you understand the predicament that we're in um because you're looking after a horse yourself i mean even sharers need contracts these days which is so Absolutely. sad that it's come to that but um because you hear of horses being stolen and people running off with horses and then on the other side of it you hear of your sharers who maybe they're an accident and then they're sued because they have to pay for the damage to the horse um, because the horse wasn't maybe um, uh, insured but then it was, was it the owner's responsibility to get it insured or was it the sheriff's and it, the, the list of questions and accusations could just go on so how can we make this really simple for people who who want to to enjoy the horses well, I mean, that that's an area of sort of um, contract um, and dispute resolution, which is not my area of speciality, but... I would always go down the route as a basic as a basic starting point is it's really good to get something written down. It's it's really good to just make sure you understand who is responsible for what, um, whether that is to do with ownership of a horse, whether it's to do with where you're keeping your horse, the services that a livery yard might provide for you for your horse. Um whether it's a loan agreement between you and and somebody who's loaning a horse from you or vice versa, having something written down is really helpful because you come down to um, a point where actually it's your word against somebody else's. And it's about making sure that 
one, you're protected. And two, everybody knows what they're doing and there aren't any nasty surprises. And having written written agreements for things does help. And I think people are, as you said at the start of the podcast, they're quite quite nervous about it because a lot of a lot of things in in the equestrian world are done sort of on goodwill which is is fine and a lot of the time it works it absolutely does but there are times when it can can turn out to be not quite as as you had expected and sadly that's that you know that's when you get into difficulties mm. so let's move forward then when we we're talking about um, we're going to be talking about property today you might you might be listening thinking, well, property doesn't include me because I haven't bought a house, I don't have loads of land, or I haven't rented a load of land. But actually any form of, you know, an acre, anything that you rent off somebody else could be, is that considered as property? Absolutely. I mean, there's property covers a vast array of different arrangements. And the bottom line is, if you have a horse, you have to have somewhere to keep it. Um, and whether, as you say, whether that's just renting a bit of a field from a farmer or whether it's something that's more um, a livery arrangement with with a commercial yard, whether it's a private property that you own and you're lucky enough to have the space to have your horses there, all of it carries some sort of responsibility. And there are things that you need to to consider. Um, it is a wide topic. And what I wanted to to focus on today, if it's OK with you, Amy, is... is um, looking at it from the point of view from somebody that's looking to maybe take on premises to to run some sort of a livery yard or a riding school or anything like that. So you would be doing it for a commercial purpose. Um, And the things that you might just want to think about before you you start to make an arrangement with a landowner, as you, you rightly said, a lot of the time you feel so grateful that they're letting you use their stables or their fields that you kind of think, okay, it's fine. I'll just do whatever you say. Um, But from from our point of view I think it's quite important to realize that you know you're a business person and you need to you need to know that your business is going to be protected going forward because it not only protects you and your income um, and your livelihood it also protects any potential customers or clients that you might have whether they're um, students at a, at a riding school whether they're livery tenants that bring their horses to you you need to make sure that that you understand what the arrangement is that you have with the landowner mm. So what do you do if your landowner says, no, I'm, a, I'm an old school farmer, you know, I've been doing this for years, um, just pay me the cash and, and, and that, that'll be fine. I, I don't want to get lawyers involved and things like that. I mean, if I would, I would always try and show them how easy it can be. It doesn't need to be costly. It doesn't need to be scary. I think people often look at legal documents and, and think, oh God, I, I can't even bring myself to even contemplate that. Leases come in all shapes and sizes. They can be made to fit any situation. They don't have to be big and unwieldy. They can be as easy or as simple as you wish to make them. But I would always advise having something in writing is the best cause of action. And as you say, there are lots of old school people that say, no, 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 I don't want to get involved with that. But wherever possible, I would always say, look, even if it's just something really basic, it's for the protection of not only you as the business owner, but also as the, for the landowner as well. So the landowner knows what you can and cannot do. So I would always try and sell it that actually it's for the protection of both parties. And it's an opportunity to just formalize what you've agreed between the two of you. Sounds a great idea. So technically, it doesn't need to be a 25 page document on, um, you know, what time you're going to be there in the morning to what time you're going to leave as to what the horses are going to eat as to who's, you know, it can just be a one pager of of what the expectations are, maybe of what the landlords expect and what you expect. Leases can be tailored to however you want them to be. Um, You know, some people like 
some people like the detail and some landowners might want to be really restrictive and say, well, you know, I want to know exactly what time you're going to be opening up the yard, what time I expect you on my land, what time you'll be off my land. And that's fine. You know, that's something again that you, you want to get that sorted out from the get go. You don't want to suddenly take up occupation uh, get all your liveries in and then realize that the landowner is really not happy because you're there at different hours of the day and and them to say oh hang on a minute I didn't expect you to be here at five o'clock in the morning or I didn't expect you to be here at 10 o'clock at night that's not the sort of nasty surprise you want and by actually going through the motions of getting something written down and formalized you, you kind of hammer out all of those issues right from the word go Mm. And hopefully it will mean that you you then have a smooth transition into just being able to run your business, getting it into the property and setting it up as you want it. And you'll know, you know, know where you stand and all of these issues would have already been dealt with. Um, and on that on on that, you can either have a lease, as you say, that's a few pages long that just covers the very basic points. You know, if your landowner is very laid back and really doesn't mind um, or alternatively if they're you know if they're so minded then perhaps you want something a little bit more in depth that that sets out you know exactly what you want to do but you'll know before you get into the point where you've spent money you know making the properties you want it or moving people in or moving horses um so that you're not then stuck in a situation where all of a sudden you think oh gosh i didn't realize this is what they were going to want from me or i didn't realize this wouldn't be allowed but now actually I've spent a load of money mm. making this as I want it. And I've moved, I've spent money and I've spent time and I've settled my horses in. And now if this isn't working for me, but I'm going to have to like it or lump it, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. Um, and that's when you can feel quite trapped, I think. Mm. Well, Abby, it's just happened to me. Exactly really? that, that you have just said has just, and I had a contract. Um, okay. But they, you know, very cleverly found, found ways around that. So I think... <sighs> For me, I think it's about learning that um, communication is key. And, um, and that sometimes I think if you have have a contract in place, I was so quick to sign that contract because I was so grateful for the land. I read it in detail. I did it all sensibly. Mm. But I thought, well, that's OK. You know, it was it was a very basic contract. Um, and actually what I my vision and their vision were two very different visions. Um, yeah. And, and, and what I find is that by having these contracts, it opens, it opens up the conversation between you and the landowner so that if you are going to come up with any issues, then you know before you've even got started, because I spent thousands of pounds on this land to have Gosh. to rip it up and take it out and find somewhere else to go. Um, and, and even though I had conversations and even though I had communication, um, the, we didn't get down to the final nitty gritty of things. And I think that's where that's where the issues come in. So in one respect, you don't really want to get into the nitty gritty because you're afraid that you're going to upset. These landowners have so much power. You're afraid you're going to upset them and then lose the land anyway. But then ultimately, I lost the land anyway. So it didn't make a difference. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But you're, as you rightly said, you lost the land, but you'd already spent thousands of pounds getting it as you wanted. Hmm. So you know, you, again, you, you are the one that lost out. And I think, you know, a lot, most landowners will be, will be business people and they will, they will understand that actually you need, you need to understand what you're taking on and you need to understand what they are expecting of you. And I don't think, I think this, this idea that actually we might rock the boat and they might change their mind is not good because if you're going to go into business with somebody who might change their mind because, you know, you're going to ask too many questions, 
well, that doesn't bode well for a good relationship down the line. What if something goes wrong? And, you know, you're always going to step forward with that, oh gosh, I feel beholden to them. I better not make a fuss. And that's um, so interesting that you said that because do you know what I realized is that mm. actually losing the land was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because yes. for the last however long I have been um, living on eggshells worrying that I might upset this person at any point. Sometimes I think unless for me... I would always have everything down on black and white now because then I know where I stand and they know where they stand. I mean, I, I have to, you know, I have to defend myself and say there were no rules broken or anything like that. It was just their idea of having a few horses on and my idea of having three extra horses on wasn't what they wanted. You know, having everything in black and white just will make me feel much safer. And and also, I you feel responsibility to the people, like you said before, who are renting uh, livery spaces or I mean they might not even pay for livery spaces you might they might be your friends that you're letting them you know put the horses in the field you still feel responsible for them so for everybody involved it's better to have it as clear as possible absolutely because as we all know I mean finding finding the suitable location for your horse and for you is really key I mean everybody's busy there aren't too many people that not too many equestrians that can say I've got all the time in the world I've got all the time in the world it doesn't matter to me where my horses are I can drive wherever most people are working hard to earn money to pay for this incredibly expensive hobby that we are all completely addicted to and actually time is so key so if you're if you found somewhere that's ideal it's just down the road from you it's like five minutes in the car and it means that you get to spend more time with your horse the hacking's great you know you're really really happy and the horse has settled in well and it's all going great and then all of a sudden you're asked to leave you're then in a sticky situation trying desperately to find somewhere else to keep your horse and if that then means you know you're then have a half an hour or 45 minute drive to the yard um it then cuts down the time that you get to spend with your horse. Mm. And that has an impact on you. It has an impact on your horse. It's just so, so important. It just really shouldn't be taken for granted. And, and it, you know, it, it's key for us. We want, we want our horses to be happy where they are. And we want to know that they are, that we have some sort of security that they're going to be there and that, you know, we aren't going to be turfed out at the drop of a hat. Mm, absolutely. So moving forward, then you have found a piece of land that you think, oh, this is going to be great. Um, the landowners said yep no problem you can move your horses here you can set up your little business here you can rent out deliveries but um, you know there are some restrictions Um, he tells you what the restrictions are and then you have to get that all down into some form of document and at that point we go what on earth what what do we write down (laughs) can you can you you give us our where do we start yeah exactly where do we start is there a selection of prerequisites that we must that's a very big word for me isn't it Abby but but, um, you know, we must haves on on our agreement. Yeah. So, so for me, if I um, if if I'm acting for uh, somebody who's looking on to take a piece of land, maybe maybe a stable block, the things that I'd be firstly looking at are repair obligations. I mean, there's lots that can go into a lease, but just to sort of highlight the main things that would sort of spring to mind: um, repair obligations. Now. You've moved in, Amy, and everything's going fine. Um, then you have a high high winds and half of your fencing falls down. Who's going to repair that? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be the landowner? Who's paying for it? You know, what what mechanism have you got in place to make sure that gets sorted out? Nothing. Because That's so funny because I'd always that... automatically say me because I wouldn't want to make a fuss. So I just, <laughs> I just go and put it back up. I wouldn't ask the landowner Absolutely. for anything. <laughs> 
and it may well be that actually the landowner has said yes you can have this bit of land but it's going to be your responsibility for the fencing for everything but that's what you need to batten out you need to bat out now because at the point when you've had high winds um all your fencing's down you've got tiles that have come off your stable block and it's leaking and you're in a real muddle the last thing you want to do is oh god who's going to fix this is it me i don't am i allowed to fix it mm-hmm. is it does it need to be the landowner have they got specific um you know contractors that they like to use for their fences the building you know are there certain tiles that i'm allowed to put on all of that needs to be sorted out now if it's going to be you that's going to fix it that's fine but what standard do you need to fix it to uh, is the landlord happy for you just to make sure that it's stock proof and it's up to you they're your horses you know if you want to electrify the fence then that's fine you know do it with tape does it need to be posted rail what is it that they want from you get that sorted out right from the word go um if it's going to be the landowner that's fine great the landowner can fix it they'll sort it out but actually are you happy with the people that the landowner is going to use are you happy with the hours that the landowner is going to to allow people onto the property you have to think about um okay they're going to use a contractor so they're going to put the fence back up again do they need machinery do you need to move the horses is there any any mechanism for giving you notice of when this is going to happen because it has to be you know it has to fit in with with the animals as well um so there's all these little things you think oh good i've got i've got a landowner who says they're going to repair everything for me brilliant that is great but actually just think a little bit deeper about that you know yes they're going to repair it but are they going to say well i'm going to i'm going to get my friend with a tractor who's going to drive great big trailer all the way through the middle of the the fields and i'm not going to tell you when i'm going to do it i'm just going to do it when it suits me well, that that doesn't help you if you've got horses that are turned no, out. I'm and laughing because that sounds like most of my landlords that I've ever had. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. This is why I say, you know, it happens. And these are just little things that, you know, initially they, they don't they don't spring to mind, but they ought to be there. You ought to be thinking, OK, who's going to repair? How's it going to happen? Are there, you know, there are times that that is there going to be some sort of notice that the that the landlord will give me if they're going to repair? So it gives me time to move the horses and make provision for them to come in and do the work. If it's a stable block, for instance, okay. So what if the whole roof needs to come off and be retiled? Well, where are the horses going to go when that happens? How long is it going to take to be done? You know, these are all things that nine times out of ten they happen at the wrong time of year when you need to have your horses in, and and you're stuck thinking gosh what are we going to do we've got tarpaulin flapping about i've got three horses that won't go in because they're scared out of their minds and it's just a real issue these are things that it would be if you have an agreement in place you can then say look you said you would do this you said you try and get it done in you know as, as soon as reasonably practicable and and i need this done now um and if it's not down to them and they're happy for you to get onto it and you get on and you fix it and the landlord comes and says what have you done to this and you can then say what well, you said i could maintain it i'm maintaining it I f- it was broken and i fixed it that's the end of mm. um if they wanted it to be in a certain way to a certain standard some standards some landlords are you know they like to have a bit of control which is is fine you know it's it's 